Dear Director Cole, pursuant to your directive to me upon the completion of my investigation into the archivist dossier last year, I hereby submit my subsequent follow-up report. That archive, which ended abruptly on March 28, 1989, with the Major's sudden disappearance and presumed death, left us with many possible avenues of investigation. As you suggested to me at that time, I have since directed my own investigation down every rabbit hole and up every apple tree in search of answers. To state it more plainly, I am the archivist now. Unlike the previous dossier, where for the most part all documents were presented to us in their entirety, per Bureau standards, here I have taken the time to condense the relevant content I found into an uninterrupted narrative. As you also requested, I began this project in the town of Twin Peaks itself by attempting to bring you up to date on the stories of many of the town's residents, many of whom you knew yourself personally over the intervening decades. I learned much that was surprising. Your words, those woods are full of secrets. Hello and welcome. I'm Douglas Bowles, and this is 42 Minutes, a weekly conversation with the interesting artists and thinkers of our day, a production of SyncBook Radio and distributed by thesyncbook.com. You can find our archives at 42minutes.com, and you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets at Sync42 and at SyncBook. It's Sunday night, November 19th. And this is the fall installment of the 42 Minutes Seasonal Book Club. Tonight with us, we feature regular book club members Alex Bolton and Dennis Cook to discuss Twin Peaks, the final dossier, the crucial sequel to the New York Times best-selling secret history of Twin Peaks. This novel bridges the two series and takes you deeper into the mysteries raised by the new series. While the secret history of Twin Peaks served to expand the mysteries of the town, and place the unexplained phenomena that unfolded there into a vastly layered, wide-ranging history. Twin Peaks, the final dossier, tells us what happened to key characters in the 25 years in between events of the first series and the second, offering details and insights fans will be clamoring for. The novel also adds context and commentary to the strange and cosmic happenings of the new series. For fans around the world begging for more, Mark Frost's final take laid out in this novel will be required reading. How are you guys doing tonight? <laughs> well, thanks, Doug. Well, I'm you... pretty good. <laughs> what do you think? Is it required reading? Mm, I don't think it is, but... It, no. It ha- <laughs> I am so I, kind I of... I had some good moments, but... Yeah. This is this is a this is kind of an odd one actually for me. <laughs> yeah, you know, like there was just a lot of information where you're, where you're just you know it it, it didn't ha- it certainly didn't feel as exciting as the first one. Maybe that's because we've already ran the course of, uh, and uh, and we're really um, so much wonderful. Um, things occurred in actually seeing season three but um well yeah it just I, felt I would, empty moments it, go it, for it it, it was definitely um not a case of 
us just being burnt out because the first book was at least interesting in terms of like the form and like it was all these different kinds of vi this visual experience whereas this is just a bunch of text um you know on stationary and it's not very i didn't like it i uh, to be perfectly honest i read the first few, few chapters and then i read the end and i kind of skimmed through the rest of it because it just didn't seem like there was a lot of uh uh, crucial information in there. And I believe I was right. <laughs> so the, I guess the reason why I'm conflicted about this, and it, it's interesting because it speaks to what you said on the last book that we, you know, The Secret History, where you were saying, this was a lot of information that I don't know that we needed. You know, that's what you said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and so... More true of this one than that one now. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Well, so like to questions, you, I think you even said to questions that I didn't even ask. You know, it's like so. <laughs> <laughs> so from my uh, more of a process type mindset, I was wondering if – so Mark Frost is a good writer. He is really good at what he does. But at the same time, it, you know, he's not necessarily – presenting the mystery he he's more explaining the mystery where david lynch like creates the art that makes us wonder like the awe it's uh you know it's the difference between like religion and spirituality i guess where like mark frost is creating the twin peaks religion where david david is somehow conveying the essence of the you know the mystery somehow you know that's 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 my take i think the thing about the first one was that got me pretty excited was I felt like he um, was both zooming in on elements of the larger narrative and like zooming out. So you got like all of these like synchronistic things that occurred from that depth. And we didn't get that. That We just got a lot of explaining and rehashing uh, yeah yeah it seemed like a lot of it was just literally recounting what happened in the original series and yeah you're right dennis i mean yeah both, it's like both of you why right. who cares what um uh like there was just there was some there is just like what is the point of ex uh, expounding on this very nominal character to this degree, you know. And even the even the ones the the things that I did want to ha at least kind of know something about the the answers to these questions, like what happened, like how's Annie, like I, that's a question I would have been entertaining to have answered in an entertaining way, but it was not. It was like very unimaginative and run of the mill and just kind of like oh, and then Annie, blah blah blah, she's. Her. Annie's Annie's story was yeah that was, it was really that boring. was boring and then there very... was no explanation of the ending I mean this was sold as some kind of containing some kind of answers which is stupid in the first place but there's a big group of fans that are probably clamoring for that kind of thing um, and it both did and did not provide any kind of closure I don't know it was weird it kind of held our hand through the the series a little bit and explained yeah. like the backstory like so the things that we we intuited so like the you know like is is that little girl in new mexico sarah palmer 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I don't need to know yes or no. It's fun enough to just know that maybe, like, I don't know why the hell that would be the case, but maybe, right? Mm-hmm. But then yes. I'm not, you also use the word, what's really interesting in our next, uh, in our previous in- engagement was retcon. Yeah. Um, could you, I don't know that expression. W- what does that stand for? Uh, I, I know see. it, I know it, what it means when people use it. Like you're like, do, are you able to break it apart? With the help of a uh, dictionary. Um, I don't know what it stands for. Oh, okay. I just figured it out. It's an abbreviation of retroactive continuity. So basically going back and sort of presenting old information in a way that fits in with their sort of milieu that they have only just now uh kind of come up with so uh if they're going back to the original series and kind of explaining things through the lens of this new uh kind of take on it that they have 25 years later and then kind of pretending that that that's what how it always was that's what retconning is Mm. but so then does any of this Anything, any of the auxiliary pieces change your relationship to the original at all. So whether it's the secret diary or the Cooper tapes or the Frost books. I mean, so that's funny. Frost even says, you know, these other things are uh, slightly unreliable. So just take this as the truth. Does it does it taint you? Do you do you look at the characters differently? Is there is there a retcon? Um, no. I mean, there is, but it doesn't. I'm of the mind that I can kind of just have my memory of the thing and enjoy the thing as it was to me. Um, I can just kind of see it in isolation. I haven't actually read any of the other books, like Secret Diary or Cooper's tapes or anything like that. Um. And so, yeah, I think all this stuff is really just auxiliary, kind of, just, uh, just, what do they call fan, fan, fan fiction, uh, fan fiction, fan service. I mean, it, it, it it's, it's yeah. strange because I feel like, in, in some respect, Mark Frost is doing Twin Peaks fan fiction. Like yeah. he, we want to know these answers, but you know. And, there are no answers, really, and well, he and maybe knows that, he had and, those. Maybe he presented, you know, this level of detail to David in their brainstorming sessions. It's like, here's the backstory <laughs> in this character, right? And it's like this is sort of the thing you give to the actors for them personally to like have <laughs> yeah. an idea of what their character is, like, so them to draw motivation. It's not like something that is crucial to the to the actual end product of the story. You could even argue it's like, yeah, really um, at at odds to Lynch's way he does things. I think it is. They said that he didn't read them, which is not. But But this feels like a big Mm. under, like it kind of undermines the whole thing that we did over the summer, which was so much fun, which was a celebration of the mystery. Whereas this is kind of like. Yeah, it's just just the last minute like i hate to sound too cynical but like a cash grab maybe and just like you know and we're guilty of it i'm assume we all bought copies of it well i I do think that the book has some i mean we talked briefly about the um 
possibility that there is some code or image uh, doctoring, and it seems pretty clear that there's more of that in this one. I haven't actually looked at it through certain filters or stuff, but it, and I, or even looked up if people are doing that. But the yeah, way that the, the way that it's printed looks like the the it looks like there's something to it, but. I haven't I haven't followed through. That's that. the kind of thing that's like the Twin Peaks mystery where it's nice to think <laughs> that there might be <laughs> something there and just leave it there for let the mind kind of dwell on it and then but really if you go looking for that it's probably not there. <laughs> but maybe <laughs> that's yeah. the whole point. Well, I definitely yeah. think he put a lot more time into the secret history and that so that was yeah. the, and then when I think the publisher decided, well, yeah, you could have two books, you know, maybe the book bef- before the series and the book after the series, then it's he... significantly shorter. Uh, yeah. Even with more text, it's way less. Uh, yeah. It's just a bunch of rough drafts of backgrounds. It's just. Well, and like in the first one there, I, it seemed a lot more compelling to try to understand the nature of the, of the jade ring and who's who's potentially wearing whereas this one in this one it comes up a couple times and it's just like oh douglas milford's uh what's her name <laughs> lana <laughs> like i know it was like just very i don't know yeah. mm-hmm. i mean it made the, the it wanted to place it all in this larger context of like 20th century conspiracy milieu and but this is it's just by the numbers. There's nothing. It really does feel like they just kind of took the the choppings uh, and stuff that would would take place after the and just kind of cobbled it together for this little. I don't know. I will say that I do think, in terms of like acting, because I did the audio version of this also. Yeah, I ended up doing that too. That <laughs> that Mark Frost's Tamra. Preston is better than David Lynch's Tamara Preston. Yeah, I think I would imagine that maybe maybe he came up with that character entirely. <laughs> Though I would say I found her sense of humor at, in the, at least in the first half to be so much a, of Albert's sense of humor that yeah. Well, also on just, my first read, that's the problem I had that I thought that i didn't feel like she stood up as a character but i thought that the actress portraying the character was a better uh-huh. she was better than krista bell in that role that I, I found her as an agent more believable than krista yeah bell in the show i hear you mm-hmm. yeah 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 but yeah I, I i agree with you that there there's a, a I mean, level of this... go ahead well did this book to you guys have anything in it that explained anything in a satisfying like something that you went oh ooh, that's interesting i hadn't thought of that or something like that like can you guys recall any moment well okay i think that the uh, doug um they go to that part where they when they're talking about um she's like considering the the idea that um Besides just the double, but like the whole structure being a um, something that has to be presented. What was the word they used for this? I should have before you, you 
like the whole structure is is presented as, as something you need to deal with before uh, the end or the next level or whatever. Do you, Doug, I'm but- butchering it. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, so right. I definitely enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't – to me, it didn't feel like – so, you know, so uh, this felt like a, a crime procedural, like the case files themselves where where we're not in a fiction. We're merely commenting on – like the the review calls it a novel, but it did not necessarily feel like a novel. It Like you're saying, it felt more like character sketches, like just filling in details of things – that people want to know, but I don't know that I I needed to know. Like the mm-hmm. the fact that Norma and Annie had different last names, you know, <laughs> on on a on a deep level, I suppose I always registered that, but and that they were sisters, you know. So like I I knew that that you know there's some strangeness there, but I didn't necessarily need it completely spelled out. With multiple ex-husbands and <laughs> <laughs> various intrigues, you know, and I will say that the end of this really irritated me because, <laughs> <laughs> because then it like, then it does this thing where it's suggesting that, yes, Laura Palmer really did, you know, uh, get pulled out of time. You know, mm-hmm. so in and in the in the end that was presented over the summer, Coop takes her and takes her out of the moment, and then she is is pulled out of that moment, and then the town has to deal with that absence. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So it, you know, that's he. Everything still happens. He comes to town because Ronette comes across state lines, and the feds are called in for the missing girl. Um. But then at the end. Tamara's relating how, uh, you know, she has these memories that themselves are being erased kind of thing. You know, like the town's... Mm -hmm. Foggier and foggier, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It didn't make sense. I don't... Well, it doesn't really stand up, like, if you think too logically hard about it. (laughs) But at the same time, it's kind of doing what the ending perhaps was doing but i'm not i'm unwilling to say you know this is what david lynch was trying to say with this in in as a director this is what because i'm not certain i still don't know how i feel about the ending or what happened because i still think there's too much dream element like the language of the dream is too important to david where multiple timelines you know, so like this book makes sense to me in in the universe of Twin Peaks, where we're we're witnessing various things happening at the same time, but they're not necessarily because it's like the episode where the diner is shifting back and forth, and you're seeing different sure. people. T- you know, it's like that's saying something that we don't have an explanation for, and so sure, I'm willing to a- admit there's a universe where. Douglas Milford is is the first MIB, and I'm also willing to think you know that maybe he's just a, a crotchety old guy who uh, 
owns a newspaper and drives a Morgan with a a beret on, right? He doesn't need any backstory at the same time. That's yeah. sort of where the retconning comes in because a lot of these elements of the story, are, as far as I know, are things that like were introduced in that part of season two that's like a vacuum where Lynch lost interest and after they had revealed the killer and they just were kind of spinning their wheels. And that's when like Annie came in as this kind of bland love, new love interest for Cooper just just for you know n- the network requirements and and uh the whole milford storyline with the wedding that's all in there too so it seems like this is they're taking all this stuff that was really just bland corporate kind of necessity and trying to turn it into this something profound and that's why lynch didn't have anything to do with annie in the show and everybody's like what's happened to annie it doesn't matter that was just (laughs) just a character (laughs) dead whatever this is more important more interesting things that have happened. Did you catch one of the people that Lana dated for a time? I forget. No. Dennis? Um, no. I, I mean, that's the other thing is that I didn't feel compelled to research the the threads as as much as in the first one where it just felt it felt it felt a little little more compelling but who was it (laughs) well guess who was wearing the owl cave ring i mean he didn't do it super obvious but then so i listened to this book twice and i did too (laughs) and the second time through i'm like wait a minute mark frost is saying that lana dated trump for a time oh is that who okay (laughs) i thought it was a hedge fund person no, no, no. Or... I mean, it was kind of in that same time period where he's talking about billionaires. Oh, okay. In the all 90s. Right. And then, they, yeah, Hamptons and all that such. Yeah. But it was definitely, it was Donald Trump dated Lana. Lana. That's interesting. Budding Milford. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> okay. All right. Sure. You know, this made me think a lot about the recognitions and how much I liked that book. <laughs> how much better that one? Yeah. Interesting. Was, huh. I've been thinking about that book a lot lately and uh, I really appreciated it. <laughs> you know what? You know what made me think about that? Now, Doug, uh, this is unrelated, but um, Doug, I was uh, listening to Underworld, the Don DeLillo book. Um, oh, that's funny. You- because that is one of the books that I was thinking we should do. But anyway, go ahead. Oh, I would love, I would love to. But anyway, so in the beginning part, uh, J. Edgar Hoover, uh, Gleason, and uh, um, uh, another dude <laughs> are in the stands of the of the World Series in New York, and it, there's a guy. In, oh, and there's a guy in the. Oh, uh, Frank Sinatra was the third guy. There's a guy. There's a character in the upper deck tearing off pages of Time magazines and uh, J. Edgar Hoover um, catches one of the pages and it's a uh, image of uh, Bruegel's painting about hell uh, from the Prado in Spain. And uh, I happen to have a, a, a bunch of old Time magazines for this project I'm working on. And I, I happen to have that particular weeks uh, because he says what week it, it is. So I, I, figure out which time magazine and there you open it up and there's actually that an article on the Prado and the Bruegel image. So it's like when there's that much detail to the, the story and truth to it, 
it, it really becomes um, fascinating for its other moments that the the reader or who else can these synchronistic moments. And uh, um, I don't know. I just felt like this this world that Mark Frost is trying to do that with. Um, it just that's a that, that's a noble thing to try to do. I just it lost me at times, and I just didn't care about some of these characters after a while. And um, yeah. It's more than a little bit of Twin Peaks fatigue. Yeah, maybe uh, so. At this point, because uh, I was totally obsessed uh, with it. And then, I don't know, something happened, and I just kind of huh, stopped it. Uh, stopped the obsession. And then this came, and it was kind of just like the hangover. I was like, ugh, this. <laughs> I go back to this. Yeah. <laughs> think about this again. Similarly. Um, but, uh, yeah. Well, so the, I think I was really interested in Timelines and the Blue Rose Task Force for a while. And the and the idea of, oh, Jeffries and Cole coming to town to build the, the LPA, the Listening Post Alpha. So, like, there's a lot of interesting developments in the... In the secret history that, and so I had a lot of fun with the secret history, and I do appreciate uh, Mark's thoughtfulness, and you can definitely see what he kind of brings to the table as far as the depth of characters in Twin Peaks. But you know, the, I think I it's the same thing: the kind of suffering of Twin Peaks fatigue, where this isn't there's nothing new presented here. It's just kind of holding our hand through, through it, and and that mm-hmm. just kind of irritated me. Yeah, mm. yeah. You know, some good log lady stuff, some good Margaret stuff. I what mean, that? I don't think I missed the log lady stuff. What happened? What did she have? Um. Oh. Well, uh, from her more stuff from her funeral, right, Doug? Yeah. She, so yeah. she had a nice. Well, so Hawk delivered. A eulogy that of so she gave Hawk a note a few days before her death, and then he read that at her life celebration. And then I like the idea. I mean, there's a lot of little things that I like the idea that you know the log lady's log is sitting on Hawk's mantle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, but this all sort of falls into the fan fan stuff. I mean, you know, I enjoyed it as a fan, you know, but yeah, I don't know. It's sort of just so. A lot of it is just really fill in the blank kind of. Just uh, like anybody could write. There's nothing really distinctive about a lot of the stuff that happens in this story in these backgrounds characters. It's like oh, there was a divorce and everybody <laughs> and lot. Oh, and Laura Flynn Boyle goes off to New York and she's a model. Yeah, of drugs. course. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, and then I'd listen to like so like it's funny because some of the fans commenting on well that kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. I didn't like the idea that Doc Hayward, you know, he's such a true character that he would, you know, yeah, move they away. Repaired it. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't need to get divorced. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that in the very very beginning, I got the book and I started reading it, and I got to this part. I emailed you guys about it, but I'll tell you for this: it is, is that it, one of Albert's little rants 
or writings, he says he uses the phrase trigger warning. He says trigger warning uh, and then says something. But this is supposed to be 1989 that he's writing this. And nobody said that until like 2013. So it really it was a really bad anachronism, like flagrant anachronism that really just ugh, made me mad. And I well, the, <laughs> the first time I read that, I didn't even realize mm. that that was Albert speaking. Yeah. Be- yeah. I mean, so I thought that was actually Tamra. And like, like I think you were saying, Dennis. Like, I can't believe that she speaks like like Albert. You, you know. I yeah, didn't... maybe I'm confusing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, there... there was a couple in the. There's like an autopsy or something. Yes. That Albert writes. I think it was of Leo of Leo Johnson's thing. Oh yes. Okay. Yeah, I I was confusing that because I that was very Albert. Okay. That may, yeah. Maybe that makes better it sense. It was yeah. Albert. Right. But I okay. do think that there is there is an informalness, but I think that's also part of of her voice as a character. So, you know, like she says, "Pardon my pardon my French," you know, Director Cole. But what the fuck, right? You know, yeah, the- yeah. And then when she was like explaining what the town of Twin Peaks should do in order to bring itself out of. Uh, the cycle and just where the world is going. Oh, like, like the the ending piece, yeah. Which which I like, but it feels like it just ends. It's like it's done. It's like <laughs> you know, it's like a yeah. first first yeah, yeah. a it, first it, act with nothing else, you know. I thought there was going to be something about I thought I had read that there was something about the Richard and Linda part, um but there wasn't anything. There was no mention of Odessa or anything. Yeah. So this is going great. <laughs> Sorry. I think I derailed it with my, no, 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 it's okay. Um, for profit prisons. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Ghostwood for profit prison. Oh, I did not like, I didn't like the Audrey backstory. I didn't either. That no. was so mundane. I, I like the idea that, I don't know anything about Audrey. You know, it's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so maybe when she says, I think, I feel like I'm in Ghostwood, like she was talking about that for a profit prison, maybe, you know, like that, <laughs> that actually gives like, you know, like, oh, that makes sense. But mm-hmm. at the same time, there's so much weirdness in all those scenes as they're presented or like even the dance of Audrey, like, you know, we don't know what's going on there. Yeah, I liked it better. I like it like that. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that's so, I'll use the word again, flagrant, because like that, all the fans, everybody was just going nuts, like just like drooling at the bit to know what what's going on with Audrey. And like to deliver this as their like fake answer is just, there's nothing in there that would satisfy me. Like, doesn't, I don't know. It's just like, there's no coma. They really underplayed the whole, like, Cooper raped her in her, in the hospital bit. Like, they didn't really go into that <laughs> darkness. And even though they basically say that's what happened. Yeah. They, yeah, yeah. They just sort of like, and then maybe and Cooper was there and she didn't talk about it. Jeez. I don't know. 
Yeah, I agree. That was a little. I mean, if anybody could, has gotten anything from this that they didn't, that they couldn't have just extrapolated from the show, they really need to work on their like uh, critical thinking <laughs> skills, or maybe not critical thinking, but some kind of uh, exercise their plot following kind of imagination because didn't cut. No, wait. But no, so here's no. something interesting. So like, <laughs> I just like I watched. Just a just a tiny little three minute clip of the Monica Bellucci dream, and it's like oh you know it immediately that you know the way David Lynch presented like that's the thing the music and the the sound effects I I know that I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy this again but I, like like you're saying Alex I do have a little bit of fatigue I don't know that I want to wade back in. I thought, I thought I, Doug. I thought you rewatched a bunch. A bunch. I no, no. I still didn't do it. I still haven't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, so I was going to ask you if you you saw anything else that you got you really really. But the the dream the. I, I mean, I you watched. Re-watch. I watched that, and I just realized how good it was. Like, it's yeah, like, this is so good, uh, and I can't wait to see it again. I just am not gonna. Yeah. Are they going to come out with the the on DVDs? Is that yeah. a, has that yeah. been talked about? Okay. Yeah, it's coming. They've got a Blu-ray set, and I'm sure I think there'll be like extra features and uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. Mm. Mm. So that might be worth looking at. Ice was there for a while. I mean, I was watching, literally watching two, three episodes at the same time, like. I would watch trying to like conceive of this follow up to my sync article. Um, oh yeah, just, your sync article. It's got too deep. And uh, we have to acknowledge with. that you you received a a bit of fame right after that, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, fifteen minutes. Was and was it Sabrina <laughs> Sutherland? Who basically yeah. shut you down? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, sort of. Although I have to say, uh, she, yeah. the first time thing she said was, "No, this is not the way it's meant to be." But then the, later on, she said, "No, I don't, I don't know. It's really exciting. Maybe it's meant to be this way, even though it wasn't planned." It's kind of acknowledging the yeah more sync, uh, really, the true stuff because everybody misinterpreted it as being, "Oh, this is how it's meant to be," because everybody has these very black and white ideas of things. But uh, so yeah, after she said that, it was kind of just like if anybody mentions it anywhere on the internet, there's like somebody who immediately comes and says, "Oh, but they said that that was fake." So nothing there. Mm. But uh, I assure you that there's more to it than that. That really drew the ire of the the uh, of of some. Yeah, that was. In, I remember that. They really reacted pretty violently. Some people. Well, I I think that it. You ignited the fan community because it was an interesting look to yeah. bring like synchromistic tools to Twin Peaks and uh, so effectively. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, and I still, I still feel that way. That in some respects, that it's like it's a uh, almost like a a sync like what's the word uh, like a case study in sync. And, and what happens when you when you do things like 
watch more than one movie at the same time. Remind our <laughs> listeners what was your what was your not I mean thesis or what you know what how, what did you marry? How did you do it? The the last two parts, parts seventeen and eighteen of the Twin Peaks Return, um, watch them at the same time. Just start them at the same time and watch them that way. And uh, there's a lot of really outstanding uh, correspondences to the point that I felt the inspired to say this was how it was meant to be. I mean, this is that they had intentionally designed it this way because the timing is so perfect, particularly in the ending. Um, it was pretty compelling. Yeah. I think I saw somebody put all 18 parts together. Yeah. They're on YouTube. There is a, <laughs> Always. <laughs> oh my goodness. Impossible to watch. <clears throat> You know, uh, in Italy, <laughs> in Italy, they did this thing where um, they did uh, they did an ultra marathon where people uh, ran behind a semi with a giant screen on the back of it and watched <laughs> all all seasons of of Game of Thrones from wow. start. <laughs> that would be fun to do That's with insane. with uh, yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's really one of the weirdest. Somebody should ever. do some activity <laughs> while watching all of Twin Peaks. There should be a should be a tree fest thing. D- Doug, get on it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I. It's interesting. I um to think about these these community people, the niche community people. So I I really enjoyed my Twin Peaks summer and I'm still you know it's still a world that I I enjoy very much but like I couldn't imagine doing you know like Twin Peaks podcasts like exclusively <laughs> yeah you know yeah. Mm-hmm. but perhaps like a a poetic form in that constriction you actually create the freedom to really get you know exciting so, you know, maybe I have it backwards, too. Well, it's certainly, I mean, a rewarding uh, piece of work. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't lack for depth. There's a reason for sure. It. So, Well, that's the other interesting there. thing. The, the Mark Frost is doing all these interviews now, too, to promote the book in such a way that almost seems like, you know, in an anti-Lynchian sort of way where... You know, here's the final authority on what happened kind of thing where, you know, Lynch has always been so open-ended about his work and saying, you know, it means what you think it means. I'm not going to tell you anything, right? Because he doesn't want – he doesn't want to taint the the viewer with his own ideas because sometimes the viewer's ideas are better than his, he thinks. It's like, oh, I didn't think about that. That's pretty – It's like it's like what you did. Alex and I think he would really appreciate that. So it's interesting that you know Sabrina would shut shut it down, even did. though I mean, even though she didn't. But that's how she the did. community community <laughs> took it. <It's laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so. I mean, it's you know my thing is still up, and I'm still get I still get views and responses occasionally. So hopefully, it kind of just sits there and somebody revisits it one day sure. maybe I'll have something else out at some point cuz I did have great success watching other episodes synced um really stunning stuff uh so 
there's a lot there. There's a whole lot there. And I don't know if you know you guys no, noticed, but John Fell Ryan has taken up uh, Twin Peaks work. Yeah. No. Yeah, oh, I have noticed that. Yeah, so that's kind of cool. Uh, it I got seems to talk like to him he's on going, Skype about it. He's going through every episode, and I think he's like doing different things. Nice. Yeah, he's zeroing in on different like tropes and yeah. color themes. So it's pretty cool. Well, you know that, that was uh, forty-two minutes. That was forty-two minutes. <laughs> we'll do some <laughs> spiely stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there it is. All right. Sounds good. Uh, let's oh. talk about. Are we, are we still reading books? Do we like doing yeah, this? Yeah, I'm reading a really good book that I would like to talk about. What are you reading? <laughs> um. Okay. Uh, I mentioned I mentioned this to Alex. I think yesterday or maybe today. But um, the, the okay. There's a book called Interlock by uh, Patricia Goldstone. It's on the artist uh, Mark Lombardi. Are you familiar with Mark Lombardi, uh, Doug, by any chance? No. Okay. Mark Lombardi, he... There's there's another book, too, that I, I highly recommend. It's just really hard to get your hands on because it's, it's, it's out of print. But it's called... That one's called Global Networks. But he made these really elegant drawings that were uh basically like flow charts there's a it's it's this particular type of accounting uh, interlock is a word to describe an accounting uh chart that they used in like the 70s to like show um antitrust relations um so it's interconnecting both like boards for banks and uh political figures and intelligence community figures uh like you know like oliver north and uh charles keating and the savings and loans and the bushes and various um international banks um but he made he he was known for uh, doing just tremendous amounts of research as an artist he had over forty thousand uh three by five note cards that uh described each uh character or bank relation or even um, people that didn't even make it into these really elegant charts. If you did a Google search for Mark Lombardi art, it would come up. But anyways, this book is really fantastic. He also died right before he was blowing up. Like, he he died under very suspicious circumstances. Um, his family and friends um, believe that... Uh, that he was killed for the things that he was exposing. But it it's particularly prescient, if you ask me, because he, he one of his biggest things was focusing on um, various uh, Saudi connections to the Bush family. And- uh, That'll get uh, you killed. That'll get you killed, <laughs> apparently. But yeah, it, I mean, in, in if, if it, as like certain uh, events have gone down recently in Saudi Arabia, you know, it's hard to know what exact outcome is going on there right now. Are these 9-11 perpetrators that are being uh, expelled? Is it a power grab from Saudi Arabia to, um, you know, there's a number of ways to look at it. But anyways, Mark's work and his research is all in these drawings. It's really great. 
Uh, Patricia Goldstone does a fantastic job. She like she was a former LA Times uh, reporter. I don't know. It's it's in her pat her other books that she wrote are really interesting as well. Um, but anyways, this book I've really enjoyed. Uh, if if people like that sort of thing, so sounds fascinating. What about what about you, Alex? What what would you want to read and talk about? Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I've been the only book I've been reading lately is the Philip K. Dick Exegesis, but oh. that doesn't really work. <laughs> <laughs> um, Philip K. Dick's Exegesis in the Bible. <laughs> the only two books. Is it? Is it? Uh, I mean, could does it have any thematic structure, or do you think it's just kind of a soup of various? It's a soup. Um, I mean, it's chronological, so you kind of get you know, his, thought, his thoughts yeah. up from the, the time it happened up until he died. So in that sense, there's a you can kind of see his thought develop and progress, and then he'll comment on what he used to think, and then he'll say, here, I figured it out. This is it. That's the end. I'm done. And then there's 600 more pages <laughs> to go. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm numerous hours into that auto book as well, but I, ne- I never finished it. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's... Uh, how many hours that, is that one, Dennis? Do you know? It's like 60. It's it's something like... It's like Infinite Jest. Um, it's, it's, yeah. Because it's definitely one that I would... I haven't done it, but, you know... You should read it. I mean, it's fucking great. It's, it's an amazing... I think it's like a... I think it's an important like piece of work you know like well i think it's like edited it. too so i think the actual like <laughs> yeah there's more than well, what 52 oh, yeah. hours yeah plenty more i'm sure were we gonna do infinite jest or did you already do that did i miss that we did, we were flirting with it okay yeah i would do that That'd i would cool. do that i would do that i always go back to that book man jesus oh <laughs> So I had like the Morta Arthur, Thomas Mallory's. It's it's like the the ultimate King Arthur book. Ooh. Uh, I had Delillo's Underworld down. I had um, the good book. Roadside Picnic. Have you guys ever read that? Mm-mm. Amo. It's like these two brothers, Strugatskys. They're like Russian, and they created like Hyperworlds, sci-fi stuff, and the that was one that tickled me. And then also, I always come back to the Illuminatus trilogy. Have you guys ever read that? I have not. A little bit. But I, we al- you almost tricked me into doing it at I, one point. So That was the first one. Well, one day we'll trick you. <laughs> but then the one that, that's kind of my dark horse is the – are you guys familiar with uh, – is his name Mark F. Danieluski or Daniel Yeah. F. Yeah. Reading House of Leaves. That's a good one. That's really I good. have them. Yeah. yeah the, sure. That was the one I think that – uh, made him uh, renowned, and then he did Only Revolutions, which is this really interesting concept of a. So you have two characters, a man and a woman, and it's kind of like Bonnie and Clyde, and the book spins. You read one side. Yes. You read one side, mm-hmm. or you can read the other side, and they come together in the middle. And yeah. 
I th- and I think I've said in the past that you know like that kind of stuff I had more patience for in my twenties and <laughs> less so now. But I think he's writing. He's writing. He's got like a twenty-eight part yes, novel. Yes, he's, he's it, like on part four or something. No, I think part five. Really? It's right, but then so if you've ever listened to uh, oh. Bookworm, it's the show, this NPR show. Bookworm. Yeah, well, he can't right. get enough of these. These the the book series is called The Familiar, so mm-hmm. we'll have to do it at some point. But there, so Michael Silverblatt can't get enough. He yeah, can't get enough. Awesome. He says that this is the best stuff ever, and that you huh. know he's been working on this novel for like twelve years, or maybe it's. Oh, I trust that guy. He, Seventeen yeah, years, uh, like twelve hours a day, and. And whenever he's talking about it, it's like uh, it seems like maybe the first book is all about this cat. <laughs> it's like six hundred pages about this cat. Um, yeah, we, we'll have to go down that road. But if you guys want to do, well, I was gonna say, I was gonna real quick that House of Leaves would be kind of a neat uh, follow-up to the Twin Peaks secret history because they're similar, almost structures. They, there's different like forms and fonts and colors and he does all this stuff with typography that's really interesting and yeah so that would be kind of cool i've never and read house of leaves it's also very scary it's like actually like a unsettling kind of that's what i've heard shining-esque yeah. horror oh okay that and so. that but so the interesting thing is with with books like that there you it's hard to fake it and do audio books it's true. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yep. That's true. Trouble, but that's I don't know if there is an audiobook. There probably is. He doesn't have any audiobooks. I mean, really? Yeah. That's, that, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, every time I go to the library, I pick up Mason Dixon or Mason and Dixon by. Yeah. And it's like, no way. Uh-uh. That's a good one. No, uh-uh. <laughs> you know, it, it goes by a lot quicker. It's more breezy than it seems. So you, you could do it if you, if you want it. <laughs> Some words of encouragement. It's really good. It's easier than Gravity's Rainbow. Much easier. You know, I bailed on that book. I got on Mason Dixon. No, on Gravity's Rainbow. Oh, yeah. I kept thinking about. Yeah, I kept thinking about. I just, you know, I liked. I I really, really, really liked um, uh, Inherent Vice, both the book and the movie. But um, you should read The Crying of Lot Forty Nine. Oh, you know, I saw it. It's a short book, too. So good. That's one of my favorite books. I will read it. Period. I picked it up, and I thought about it. (laughs) Did you do the Bleeding Edge, Dennis? No. What's that? That's his newest one. It came out like a year or two ago. Yeah, I read that one. It's pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. Hey, hey, Doug, why did you uh, why did you want uh, Underworld? I wanted to ask you that. I don't know. Oh, you you know what it is probably is that the cover it's got this haunting cover of the World Trade Center on it, and there's something about so it does it it captures this the the spirit of the 20th century, but at the same time. It's all garbage, you know. You know, or there's something, there's something underworldly about it. I don't know. I I I did it once, really fast, 
maybe what did I miss? 10 years ago. What and it's one that I think that I want to revisit at some point. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Same with Infinite Jest, where you know I wouldn't mind spending time in those worlds. But then, same thing with the Exegesis. So, uh, if if that's if that's the list, what would you, which one would you go for, Dennis? House of Leaves, Infinite Jest. Yeah, House of Leaves or Infinite Jest both sound good. I, I it would be I know it would be challenging for me to finish House of Leaves, but I would I would give it a shot. Um, I I I I really struggled finding time to. to what if we do? What if we did the crying of Lot Forty Nine? Because that's a very short book, but it's very dense and deep, and would make good, I think, good conversation. If you wanted to do a pension, <laughs> that's that would that'd be my pick. Okay, that's your pick. And there. I'm I'm game for whatever. I I, I, I I will I will say yes to it now and then potentially bail at the last moment and then you cannot and then, bail. You cannot. <laughs> I came close on this, uh, but uh, um, yeah, time is crazy right now, dudes. You know how it is. It's like I have like twenty-seven kids. <laughs> I'm busy. I think Doug has. So no, Doug has. Here's the here's the thing. So how about we'll do the crying lot of forty nine, but we'll. It sounds like this is a hilarious and puzzling worldwide conspiracy, <laughs> and so we'll we'll talk about that. Aren't they all? In context of your Mark Lombardi book, The Interlock, and see if if they play nice on some level. Sure. I look if, if you're at the library and they have global networks, just pick it up and spend five minutes with it. It's really awesome. Well, it's I just... think I'm familiar, but not from the art world, from conspiracy world, because I think he was featured in one of the films that I watched years ago. Yeah, he was known for that. He was known for that that community a little bit. Um, yeah. I I don't know which what film it was that I saw but I think they were showing his work and talking about his connections and what he found like uh, 20, 20 or uh, like a great percentage of his no cards disappeared <laughs> so okay well you know what I didn't do record it <laughs> You've been listening to the 42 Minute Seasonal Book Club on 42 Minute Expression on SyncBook Radio and thesyncbook.com. For more information about our panelists, check out the show notes for links to their work. For more information about the SyncBook, our guests, check out past shows and subscribe to the podcast via iTunes. Please be sure and visit our website at thesyncbook.com. If you like podcom, podcom. <laughs> if you like this podcast, you like more. Right now, everything is free, so explore. We even have a great search engine to help you find what you need, which is kind of fun. It, it is like a synchronicity anyway, because yeah. nobody, there wasn't any logic structure to like our, uh, what do they call those? You know, like uh, contents of the things. You're just putting things down, and it's not like a real true ind- index. And so, like, you'd think. 
if you typed in Philip K. Dick, you would just find all the shows that had Philip K. Dick. But no, because if you type <laughs> if you type Vallis, you find other Philip K. Dick shows, and you're like, oh, I missed that one. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> all this and more can be found at thesyncbook.com/membership. Thanks so much. And we are like the dreamer who dreams and then lives inside the dream. Don't you know?